Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Laser Tag Podcast. My name, as usual, is Tommy Brazil. With me is my boy, Christian Newton. How are we doing on this uh, Tuesday evening, Christian? Dude, this is late for a usual podcast recording, but you know what? When the Celtics win, it just makes it a little easier to hop on the Laser Tag Podcast and do a recording. Now... If they would have lost, would you still be here? Absolutely. Because I would have talked through the pain. It's dedication dedication right there. Now, if the Bulls had been in that situation, what would you have done? Um... I would be here no matter what the Bulls. I'm I'm used to the Bulls losing. Yeah, you have to realize that. Like, I don't expect to win. It's just a pleasant surprise when they do. Uh, that's how I felt about the Patriots this year. It's a pleasant yeah, surprise when they win. <laughs> you'll get used to it. I mean, that's the normal sports fans' attitude. I think it might be the Red Sox fans' attitude now. You just expect to lose, and then when they do win, it's just like, oh, surprise. How about that? Yeah. I don't mind their team this year, but, you know, they're not going to be any uh, world beaters, that's for sure. Yeah, I could care less. <laughs> it's it's baseball. I could care less. <laughs> All right. Let's get into a subject that we know a little bit more about. Let's get into some brief NFL talk. J.J. Watt made a big announcement that he signed with the Arizona Cardinals. Now, according to him, it was sourced by him, but Adam Schefter tweeted it out first, just so we're, just so we're clear. Schefter, he tweeted it out before Watt did? Yes. Schefter's Twitter fingers are undefeated. Let's For just make that reason, clear. I thought Schefter was after Watt, saying he was citing Watt. No, according to my timeline, it was... a. Uh, not according to my timeline. Let's see what I got here. I'll, I'll look this up here. Man, he tweets too much. I'm going to have to go back like another yeah. four years. It's only a few hours. No big deal. Uh, let's see here. Because I saw the picture. I saw the picture of Watt posted first, personally. But... Uh, now I'm not even seeing it at all. Oh, well. Here it is. J.J. Watt is signing with the Arizona Cardinals, and he has per at J.J. Watt. So I'd assume that J.J. was the first, right? Uh, I don't know. I want to, I don't feel like checking the timestamps right now. It's a little <laughs> it's a little too late East Coast time for me to check here the timestamps. 9.47 a.m. Let's see J.J. Watts. Let's see J.J. Watts. Here we are. Here we go. Here we go. Find J.J. Where you at? Where you at? Where the hell is the time spent? Um, 9.46. J.J. was okay. first by a minute. Damn it. Yeah. This is what happens when you're an amateur podcast and you don't fact check your stuff. <laughs> yeah, AKA, yeah, I, I, did, I didn't do any fact checking. So what do you think? What? what what do you think of that move? Is he going to improve that team? I mean, they already have Chandler Jones, who is, we, as we know, is a, a beast of a pass rusher. Is he going to make that much of a difference? Well, I think he's going to make a huge difference. Just 
for the simple fact J.J. Watt can wreck a game, and so can Chandler Jones. Both those guys are one, they're one and two in the past however many years in sacks. So it helps to add a guy next to Chandler Jones that will complement each other, and it would be hard to double-team them both. However, the big question is the health. Jones hardly played this year because he had a nasty injury. And then Watts had his uh, fair share of injury issues. So that's going to be intriguing enough. Like, will those two stay healthy? If they stay healthy, that that Arizona Cardinals team is going to be really dangerous to play against. But that also depends on if they can fix their uh, disciplinary issues, not in terms of off the field, but on the field, like penalties and staying ahead in drives and whatnot. Yeah, I'm going to go an opposite way. I don't think J.J. Watt makes that much of a difference. Like, I get he's a good player. Chandler Jones is a good player. But Chandler Jones also had Hassan Reddick opposite of him the last couple of years. And that dude's a beast, too. And he's he's going to be asking for a lot of money, too. Um, so, I don't – defensively, is it is it a good pickup? Yes. Yes, it is. You, you get as many solid players as you can. Will it make them a lot better? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sway towards no. I like it's an improvement, but not a huge difference to me. I don't think he obviously I don't think he puts them over top for Super Bowl contention, but it's a start. It Especially is, for I mean, that defense. The defense did struggle a little bit last year at certain points. They have a lot of playmakers. I mean, you look at the two guys we mentioned, Buddha Baker. The rookie Isaiah Simmons, I don't know if Patrick Peterson will even be back next year, but he's he's a playmaker. Um, so they have a lot of a good players. It's just a matter of if they can put it together. Yeah, Buda Baker's a stud. Got to pick him up in the IDP league. Mike, don't keep him. Don't keep him, <laughs> Mike. You keep, Le- you keep leave, the safety. I don't know what you're doing. Leave him out on the free market. Let me scoop him up. Probably take him early, but. I'll take him. First round pick? I ain't going that far. (laughs) Now with the second pick in the draft. You got two? I got two. I don't even remember what I got. I think I got like five or six or something. I'm top two, but I'm top two, but I'm not one. We already know who Mike's taking, so you don't even have to worry about that. I, I wish he wasn't taking who he was taking. Would you really pick him at two? Absolutely. And we're going to leave it at that. Now to the – do you have any other thoughts on the J.J. Watt situation or good enough? No, I think we'll, uh, we'll wait until a few more moves start to happen. We may discuss more of the Cardinals depending on what they do. I think we're good now, though. But how about that DeAndre Hopkins recruits his, his uh, Texans teammate, his guy, like come down I'm, to the Arizona – I'm still waiting for Deshaun Watson to be traded uh, straight up for Kyler Murray. That would be something. <laughs> uh, it's not going to happen, but that would be <laughs> no, something. Well, get the Houston, uh, the Houston Cardinals or the Arizona Texans? Nah, I like the Houston Cardinals better. Right. Makes more sense. Now, speaking of making sense, I got, we got to find a way to make sense of this situation 
So Jane Slater, an NFL writer, put out on Twitter, and I quote, and I'm reading this quote for quote, ready? I posted an opportunity for an unpaid internship, and I'm amazed at the comments I get. It's not even for me. It's for someone else, and I would have jumped at it in college. I had three unpaid internships in school, double majored, and had a job. SMH in all caps. That got the people talking about the debate. That, that wasn't even the first. That wasn't even the first one when she like posted the offer. That's what got the people talking. People started just trashing her after that one. What was the offer? I didn't see the offer. Um. Oh man, now you're testing me. I'm not sure. Let me see here. Um, okay. Twitter. We don't do well with follow-up questions, so we're just gonna move on from that. No, I'll find it here in a second. Just give me like four seconds. One, two, three, four. All right, I gave you four seconds. You're done. Shoot. All right, we can skip it. <laughs> but anyways, after reading that or listening to that tweet, Tommy, where do you fall on the uh, internship debate? Because let's I, face I it. We both had to do internships at our school at good old LaSalle College or LaSalle University now. It'll always be LaSalle College to me. All right, here it is. I got it. So this is what the original tweet says. Broadcast journalism students, exciting intern internship opportunity for you. Can you set up a well-lit Zoom slash Skype calls, record, edit them, and want access to the league's top draft prospects? It's not with at Bobby Bell TX and I, but it's in the uh, DFW area. Unpaid, great experience, inbox me. And that's when people started trashing her. It just, yeah. just, the post, just the post of what she was offering, and people went at her. She's doing her, I don't know, what do you want to say? Doing her job or yeah, being I'm sure that's she's, her she's being of service putting out an internship opportunity to her followers. I mean, that's, that's great. Somebody looking for an internship. That's great. My, my problem then becomes what quote unquote seems like virtue signaling what she says in her next tweet. Like, yeah, I had three unpaid internships. I was a double major. I worked to, and it's like, Okay, your situation is much different from another person's situation. I only I only did one internship. That was probably it's mostly my fault. But I didn't really get I didn't get paid. Maybe I got paid in uh I got paid in lunch. That's probably about it. Yeah, I got paid in lunch. And maybe maybe twice we're working playoff basketball high school basketball games at my internship site so what are your thoughts tommy so i'm the same way with you i i had an unpaid internship um and like i wouldn't take that back for the world i mean i i enjoyed my time there it was a really good experience for me um however i i am on the side of things that um i do think the labor you put into internships 
should at the very minimum be paid minimum wage. Um, I get that a lot of internships are for experience and hundred percent for experience. And I'm okay with that. Like I get that. Um, but at the other time you're putting in a ton of hours. Um, you're there during your days when, like we said, you could be working and getting paid elsewhere. Um, but like, I have no issue with an unpaid internship. Should, should we probably be getting paid for it? Probably. But I have no issue with an unpaid internship. Like, like we said, we both did one. I'm okay with it. What she was posting sounds like a really good opportunity. If I was in college, I probably would jump on it. I would try and get in that. Um, so I, I don't understand the hate for her. Um, she was simply just putting out a, an offer. And I mean, if you want to get into the NFL world, the draft prospect world, that sounded like a really good offer, honestly. I don't get the, I don't necessarily get the hate directed toward her about posting it. It's what she said afterward. That's like, yeah, um, probably not the best thing to say on Twitter. Cause then you got people coming out of the rabbit hole. Like well, that's what Twitter. Let's for. get Ray. Let's get Ray for some action, baby. The keyboard warriors are here to play. Seriously. But my take on it is if you want unpaid internships, yes, they're great. The experience is re really the currency you're getting out of an internship. However, if you're putting in a bunch of hours at the internship site and you're pretty much doing the work of say a normal employee at whatever your internship site is, then yeah, I think you should be compensated. Do I think you should be compensated as much as the employee? No, but I do think there should be some level of compensation. Like you said, minimum wage because ultimately the student is making a sacrifice. The sacrifice is, especially pre-COVID, you're probably driving in to your internship site. Driving costs money when it comes to gas. And it would be nice, you know, it goes both ways. It'd be nice to get compensated maybe for a little gas money or maybe just being a college student you're not blessed with the highest of funds unless you're born in a rich family. You don't have the highest of funds. Maybe that little extra cash, you save it for something or you just, you use that money and you go spend it on whatever you want. That's your discretionary fund. That's money you earned, but to go, but now to go unpaid, especially if you're working these heavy hours on top of your schoolwork. I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of it, but I'm also not completely against it. And as far as I'm concerned too, like when you accept a internship, you know, it is unpaid or paid. Like, you know what you're getting into. So if you're truthfully that worried about getting paid and have that belief, go find one that's paid. It's as simple as that. Like, you know, you're getting into it. Don't, don't go into it and be working. And then two months down the line, like, Oh, I haven't gotten paid for this yet. It's an unpaid internship. Like, give me a break. Like, you know what you're going into. So if you do want to get paid for it, find one that pays. Exactly. 
now I can see an unpaid internship. It it could be considered rewarding. That's at the high end. Like it's very rewarding. You learn a lot. You don't really care about the money. You're you're gaining the currency of experience. However, you could also look at the downside of an unpaid internship where it's like I'm logging all these hours. I somewhat feel underappreciated for all the work I've been putting in and I'm not getting compensated for it. Now on the flip side, you have the paid internship where if you're enjoying it, Hey, I get to go into something I really enjoy and I'm getting compensated for it. That's great. Like that's, that's the ideal scenario. However, if you're going into a paid internship and you don't enjoy it, you might as well think of it as just another job. Yeah. And it's like, it's really I, just a waste of your time. It's, it's honestly just another job where it's like, oh, I don't really want to go in. Why am I going in? Yeah, you get compensated. That's great. But at that point, especially with an internship, like I said, the currency is the experience. And if you're not enjoying the experience, then is it really worth it? I don't think it is. I don't either. I'm with you. But you know what is worth it? It is time to get into the NBA State of the Union. What do I mean by that? Let's just look at all the NBA teams at close to the midpoint in this NBA season. The All-Star break is coming up, and we've got a lot to talk about. So, Tommy, let's start in the Eastern Conference. Looking at the teams in the East, who do you look at as overachievers this season? Overachievers? The only one that I can see overachieving right now is the 76ers. I don't think they're good enough to be the one seed. I really don't. I don't think they'll end the one seed because Brooklyn is Brooklyn. And if they're healthy, no one in the East is better than them. But I think the Sixers are a little bit overachieving as the one seed. I can agree with you on that. I also see in the standings as of now, New York Knicks at the four seed. That is a huge overachievement at this point in the season. Granted, is it, think, it It is. I mean, if you look at the collection of talent, not including Julius Randle, Julius Randle is a stud, and I snubbed him on my all-star list. I, I know Julius Randle doesn't listen to this, but if he does, I am sorry. <laughs> I am very sorry. It may not seem like it in my voice, but this is what happens when you talk at 10.30 at night. But anyways, just looking at the collection around the Knicks, other than Julius Randle, who do you, who in there really grabs your attention and makes you go, whoa, this is a right. really talented team? Hear me out here. Julius Randle, first off, is the second best big in the East. Second. 
there's only two point guards I would rather have than the New York Knicks starting point guard right now than Derrick Rose. In the East, that is. There's only two in the East I'd rather have than their starting point guard. Number three, they had a top three pick last year, and it turned into R.J. Barrett, who was quietly having a pretty solid season. Number four, their rookie coming off the bench, I think his name's like Quickly Quickly. or something like that. Yeah, Quickly. He is also, to me, he's top three in rookie of the year this year. All right. What point point guards would you have over – in the would East, I said, I said top three in the East. East. It would be James Harden and Trey Young. Okay. Do you consider Ben Simmons a point guard? No. Okay. Not even Kyle Lowry? No. Really? Not Kyle Lowry? I'd rather have Kyle Lowry. I wouldn't take him over. I wouldn't take Westbrook over Rose right now. Uh, LaMelo Ball is playing well. I wouldn't take oh. him over him right now. Wait, we're talking Derrick Rose? Well, are you kidding me? You'd rather have Derek Derrick Rose, Rose over sneakily since he got traded to the Knicks. This team is seven and three, and he has sneakily been very, very efficient. <sighs> no, this hey. it's too it's too late at night for this. Are you kidding? <laughs> this is my argument. I'm arguing for the Knicks right now. I'm doing. <laughs> I I don't believe you. I I agree with Trey. I agree with Harden. Obviously, Kyrie is a shooting guard now. He said it himself, so I guess he's out of the conversation. Kemba is making a turn. I think I'd still rather have Kemba than D Rose. You can ag- agree to disagree, but that's okay. Well, I will. Uh, who who else is there? Westbrook, yeah, Westbrook is on a decline. I'm not, I'm not feeling Westbrook. And yeah, I mean, Lamelo Ball is also, he's playing, he's playing extremely well, well for a rookie. He's playing extremely well. Hell, I, I think I might take Terry Rozier over Derrick Rose too. Two from the Charlotte whoa, team. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Calm down there. Scary hours, baby. Scary hours. Scary Terry. I, I do love me I do love me some Terry, but that's blasphemy over Derek Rose. Anyways, my other uh overachieving team just based off the uh standings is the Charlotte Hornets. Currently the eighth seed. Adding Gordon Hayward in the offseason, getting Lamella ball through the draft. If you look at their record, I don't think they're overachieving. I think if you look at their position in the East, they are overachieving. Because you have this entire cluster of number four all the way down to 12. That's like four games within them. It's just a cluster of mediocre teams. Well, you know what, Thomas? Position is half the battle. And the position of the Hornets right now is the eighth seed. It's true. It's true. So I think they've overachieved. But there really isn't that much in the overachievement section of the East. Now, let's look at the underachievers this year. What say um, I you? Think, I think your team is a very underachieving team, the Boston Celtics. I would highly agree with that. 
Um, I also, I think the Bucks have not achieved what they want to do yet either. They're, they're the three seed. They're a comfortable three. And they can move up one or two. But I don't think they really have played that well. I can agree with that. I th- it's tough because the past two years you've seen Milwaukee just brew, bloody and bruise every, almost every team in its way during a regular season. And come playoff time, it's a different story. But this year, I just I saw this interesting graphic during the uh, Sunday afternoon game, where they had the Bucks riding the roller coaster, where they have a nice little streak, and then they have a really down losing streak, and then they come back up, and maybe that roller coaster helps them come playoff time. Who knows? But I think it's it'll take more than the than these roller coasters to help them come playoff time. I'll, I'll talk about my Celtics later. They have been very, they've been very disappointing. Uh, who else is there? Miami record wise, I'd say is disappointing, but I can understand why with injuries and the whole COVID situation, I can get that. Honestly, I think Washington has been disappointing. Yes, Russ looks like he's – Russ has lost a step or two, and he's never been a good shooter at all. But you would I'm think – I'm very disappointed in Washington. But you would think with all that scoring Bradley Beal does that they would maybe eke out a few more wins here and there. But they haven't done so this year. So I, I, I picked them to be the fourth seed in the East before the season, so I'm very disappointed currently. Um, I still think they have a good shot at being up there because the East is so bad. Um, like, they're, they're sitting four games out of the fourth seed right now. Like, yeah, that's doable. That's really doable. I, I do put a lot of stock in Bradley Beal. I still put stock in Russell Westbrook. I think he's a game changer, despite how he struggles a lot of the time. Um, so, yes, they've been very disappointing to me. Let's get into uh, some teams to look out for come the second half of the season. I'm looking at, based on what I see right now, Indiana's in the ninth spot. I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, I can see them making a run and making a push towards the middle tier from that three to six area, or maybe seven to three to seven. They are in a spiral right now. They've lost four straight. Brogdon's fantastic. Sabonis is fantastic. I don't, I don't see them really doing much more than what they're doing now. They could. They lost Oladipo, obviously. I just don't think they have enough right now. I wonder if what would happen if Karis LeVert were to come back this season. Would that help them? Would that help them and increase their playoff positioning? I mean, I like them. If Levert's there, I like them more than Charlotte and Toronto above them. That's for sure. Another team that I might have put in my underachievers, but I'm also looking forward to seeing what they do in the second half, the Atlanta Hawks. Just fired their coach. 
replaced the coach with the old Indiana coach, Nate McMillan. And it's interesting. They made, they made some additions during the offseason where it's like, okay, is Atlanta maybe turning the quarter toward playoff contention? But things haven't gone as smoothly as people would expect. What do you think, Tommy? They're a fringe eight seed for me. They're, to me, they're a lot like the Chicago Bulls, where they now have a new head coach and they have a superstar. But can the other pieces be enough to help the superstar? They're, they're fringe eight, same with Chicago for me. Eight, seven, they're in that, that zone for me. I could see one of two things with Atlanta during the second half. They can either make a a decent enough push to get into a play-in spot, or I can see them just going to free fall. Either they're just unpredictable, and I'm kind of curious what what will happen come the second half. Will they have more games where they obliterate the Celtics? Will they have more games like that, or will they just have a bunch of duds? I guess we'll you want to hear out. a weird? You want to hear weird facts here? There is only uh, one team in the East with an above five hundred record on the road. Is there? Only one. Who could it be? Is this the Sixers? Excuse me, I take that back. There's two. Was one of them the Sixers? No. Who is it? The Nets. Brooklyn. Brooklyn is ten and seven. The other one is Chicago. What? They're eight and seven on the road. Are you serious? Yeah. That's sad. Oh my god. Well, Indiana's five hundred. They're five hundred, yeah. No, I said over five hundred though. You did say over five hundred. Wow. Good God. I, that's it's, sad, honestly. Like the East is trash. This is just, just mediocrity everywhere. Oh, let you know what? Let's just shed shed the mediocrity away. Let's head west. The West Coast is the best coast. No, I'm obligated to say no, but for all intents and purposes we'll say the West Coast is the best coast. And we're going to look at the overachievers in the West. Tommy, what sticks out to you? There's a big, big one sitting in the one seed right now. I think we can agree on that. Utah Jazz. Hold on. Let me me take my goggles out. Yep. Yep. That's that's a pretty big overachiever. Honestly, that's, that's the only team I have overachieving right now. Everyone else is either underachieving or playing what I thought they would. So you thought Th- Phoenix would make the push over to the four seed at the current moment, somewhere in the middle of the pack? So the same day that I said that the Washington Wizards are going to be the four seed, I said that the Phoenix Suns will, be, will, will win the West. So to me, they have underachieved only four games back, but I'd said they would be the one seed this year. What? 
Yeah, I, I made it. I made a statement, and I'm gonna stick to it. Tommy, where do you? Why? Why? You know, there's only one team with uh, less losses, so it's possible. Yeah, but why would you pick the Suns to be the one seed? You know, I just thought the Chris Paul trade would do him do him some good. It has, obviously. They're playing a lot better. And, you know, I, I thought they would vault them up to the to the one seed. I think the Clippers, Clippers and the Lakers, um, they kind of sandbag it throughout the year. I don't think they really care too much about the regular season. Um, well, AD is injured right now and has been out for an extended period of time. And that that complicates things for the Lakers. And then that – and then that point where Schroeder was out and you're pretty much relying on LeBron to do basically everything. Yeah, it's not the, yeah that's true. Some things just never change. But Utah has been the biggest surprise this year, and I don't get to watch them much. But when Nobody. I did watch it but when I did watch them against the Celtics, boy. It was so good. It just made me want to turn off the TV. That, that's that's probably the highest compliment I can give them. It was they played so well. It just looked so good, and the Celtics just looked looked so bad. I just wanted to turn off. I just turned off the TV and went to sleep. Yeah, that's the only overachieving team I've got. I mean, if we want to move to underachieving. I'm going to throw a couple names out at you. The Dallas Mavericks, for one. Yep. Um, the Denver Nuggets have started to play better. But to me, they've underachieved a little bit. Okay. Actually, you know what? I want to put one, I want to put one more overachiever in here. Okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to say the Spurs. Yes, they're pretty – the joke is they're pretty much the white walkers of the NBA. But last year they didn't make the playoffs. This year the team looks virtually the same, and yet right now they're sitting at the sixth seed. And I don't th- their style of play isn't that appealing, especially when you have DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge leading your team. But is, it resu- but is it getting the results? It's getting the results. And if anybody knows how to get results, it's Greg Popovich. So. Yeah. I think he's even got Aldridge coming off the bench now. Does he really? The last time I looked, I, I saw that and I was like, wow, he must either not be playing well or they're just going young. I, I don't know. Any, either way. For some reason, the Spurs bench always seems to have a be better than their starters. It it makes no no conventional sense whatsoever compared to any form of basketball played, but yet somehow their bench ends up being better than their starters, or at least that's what it looks like. Yeah, I don't know what to make of the Spurs like. Like you said, they didn't even make the playoffs last year. They didn't even make the playing games. I expect them maybe to make playing games this year, but I don't expect them to win them. That's fair. 
Now the underachievers you were saying, Denver, Dallas. Denver, Dallas. I'm going to throw in the Pelicans as well. Okay, interesting. How come? I think they have two of the best young duos, or one of the best young duos, excuse me. Ingram and Ingram and Zion are fantastic. And you look around the rest of that team, they went out and got Steven Adams. We know what Steven Adams is. They have J.J. Redick. Um, they have Lonzo Ball, who's at best a good defender right now. Um, they got Eric Bledsoe in the deal for Drew Holiday. Like Their players are solid NBA players. But they're 15 and 19. I think part of that is just new coaching, getting used to a new coach. And then just recently they made the adjustment of, you know what? Let's get point Zion. Having having Zion be the point person for some possession. You start him out high. He comes at you like a wrecking ball. And then I can remember this because I was watching live him making Tristan Thompson look like a tiny person crumbled to the ground and won. I don't know what it is, but once Zion gets his thick shoulders into you and he always goes left, always goes left, but you can't stop him. You can't. Just a big boy. Country strong, that's probably what it is. South Carolina country strong. That's the thing. Like, he was touted as the next best thing since LeBron James. He's been great. But I don't think he's been that yet. He certainly hasn't been that yet. Yeah, the he's expectations, the expectations are too high. Yeah. You can't – I hate that the comparison to something greater, like – Comparing LeBron to Jordan, well, that's not really fair. They're two different people. Compare Zion to LeBron, no. No, I I hate the comparison stuff. I mean, it's great when you look at it, watch a guy, and it's like, oh, maybe I could see a little bit of this guy's game in a legendary player or a superstar player. But ultimately, I hate the comparisons because they're two different players. Two different players and two different players. It almost like hurts the player coming into the league when they, not that they don't play well, but they don't hit that expectation kind of in this sense where where Zion's an all-star, he's playing extremely well, but you're like, he's not that good because he didn't hit what we thought he'd be. He's still playing. He's still playing really good ball. He is. He is. Absolutely. But anyways, I'm look. Let me look at the underachiever. Yeah, Denver, I'd say is underachieving, and I'd say that comes kind of comes down to uh, the development of Michael Porter Jr. and also Jamal Murray kind of reverting back to the regular season version where he has some very good games and he has some games where it's just where the hell is he? What happened to yeah, him? This is he's a guy who got the max contract. Do you think he deserves that? If you would have based it on solely playoff play, yeah, he would have deserved it after the last the bubble playoffs. 
but based on totality it's hard for me to say and i would i would probably lean towards no that would be my leaning but that still doesn't take away from the fact that he's still a very good player it's just he hasn't he does he hasn't hit the heights that he did in the bubble yeah i'm with you i mean it's tough for me to see two max players on the same team like there's clearly a number one on every single team like LeBron and AD, you know who the number one is. It is LeBron still. Mm. And in this sense, or he isn't clearly isn't the best player on this team. And no. it's Jokic. So, so to me, like Murray, he's, he's a fine player. He did good things in the playoffs. Like you said, totality of it, max contract now. And also the development of Michael Porter Jr. I just, for some reason, when I watch him, I just there's stretches where I'm like, yeah, he's got incredible athletic ability and he can play. Then there are other times that I just like, I just don't see it. Am I missing something? Like, what makes him untradeable? I, other than his potential, like, what am I missing? That's all it is right now is his potential that they don't want to lose. That they don't want to lose. Because you can look at him and be like. Honestly, when I look at it, I could say, oh, maybe he's, I don't know, Tracy McGrady. Somebody who can, who's tall and can score at, at every level. Three-point, mid-range, getting to the hole, finishing hard. But his problem is staying healthy. And if health is a concern at this early of an age, then... Something's not, something's not right. It's the same with Gary Harris. Like Gary Harris and Murray were such a solid duo. Like Gary Harris, injuries have just destroyed his career, and he he's taken a step back for me too. Mm. Now let's look at the Mavericks, though. Luca, a lot of talk coming into the year about MVP consideration before a game was ever even played. Hell, I even thought he would win MVP. But I don't think he's reached the heights that we expected of him. And I don't think Dallas as a whole is just playing well at all. Especially when I think I saw multiple times that they're dead last in three-point percentage. And in a league where the three ball is highly prevalent. You can't win if you're not hitting the three. Yeah, I mean, you look up and down this roster. Doncic, great. It honestly, it's gonna it's gonna sound weird because they were traded for each other. But these two teams remind me of each other, and it's the Hawks and the and the Mavericks. Like you look up and down the roster and say, there's some guys who have talent. They should be winning more games than this. Porzingis, he's obviously been out a little bit. He's been hurt. He's only played 19 games. Then you got guys like Tim Hardaway, Josh Richardson, Willie Cauley-Stein, Dwight Powell. Like, you have athletic guys out there who can make plays. Finney Smith, even Trey Burke. Like, these are guys that have played well in the past, but they're not equating to winning games. Like, it's just kind of just steadily up and down, sitting around 500. And it's the same way with the Hawks. Like, you have a superstar then everyone else is kind of just mediocre that should be better. Yeah, that just 
think with Porzingis, it again, it, it's health, and then because he's not healthy and he's not getting as much game reps, he just looks really rusty and just really off and not anything close to what he looked like in New York. I don't think he and, ever will look like that again. No. And that could have been a – it still could be a really good one-two punch, him and Luca. But then that third guy, the third guy is not really there. I I think Tim Hardaway Jr. could be that third guy if he were more consistent. I think he could be that third guy because I think he can score the ball. He certainly paid like a third guy. It's just I don't I don't think he's consistent enough. And granted, I don't I don't follow the Mavericks, but just based off the record, I. I'm willing to bet he's been inconsistent. And also, like, health has been one of the biggest issues on this team, too. Luca's played 32 games, which is the top of anyone. The next highest is only 24 games. Jeez. Actually, I take that back. That's stark. Never mind. So there have been a few other people that have been healthy. But Hardaway, Trey Burke, it's not a lot of guys. It's They haven't been healthy either. I don't know. Another kind of disappointment, I would say is Houston. I guess like we could have kind of expected when Harden kind of shot his way out. But there's still some decent pieces there. Now, granted, Christian Wood being out for so long hasn't helped at all. Christian Wood left them with 10 wins. <laughs> they have 11. That is Bruh. how important this team. That's... That's sad. They have lost 12 straight games. They were 11 and 10. Like, Christian Wood had them at 500. He's a, he's a really good player. He's really good. John Wall is just, I don't know. He might put, he's probably putting up the numbers. But is he impacting winning? Oladipo. I don't think going to be there much longer. Oladipo has just been in flux. It's like, where does he want to go? I'm like, oh, he gets traded to Houston. Okay. Is he going to stay there? Oh, probably not. So now you got to look to trade him, possibly, or lose him for nothing. Oladipo is another one. PJ Tucker has offensively, he pretty much mooched off the Harden train. He's a solid defensive player, and he can hit a three, and that's about it. Exactly, because for all that attention Harden drew, Harden gets in the paint and then kicks it out to Tucker, corner three. And then majority of the time, I would like to think Tucker made it, but come playoff time, it's just it wasn't there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say P.J. Tucker, Oladipo, and Eric Gordon will not be on the team by the end of the year. I, I could see Eric Gordon possibly either being traded or bought out. Yeah. The team's think, in a spiral. Christian Wood's not coming back. I think they I think they kind of blow it up. I think Eric Gordon could be a solid contributor to a contending team for in terms of bench scoring. And he's he's another one who's been in and out with injuries too this year. So yeah. get, get healthy and play well. That's that's all you gotta do. 
All right. What team or teams should we look out for in the second half of the season? I think Denver is clearly one that you can look out for. Um, Portland's interesting. Like, when and where is CJ McCollum going to come back? Is he going to come back? What's he going to play like? Um, Portland's an interesting one if he does come back. I think what about be my talk? I was going to say, what about Nurkic, too? I think he's That's he should be coming one, yeah. back. That's another Port- one, Nurkic. Yeah, Portland. Nurkic. It's just the injuries. That's all it is. They're a good team. They're a good team. They're a solid team. They're just – it just stinks for them that, A, they get injured, and, B, they run into these <laughs> – these run they run into these juggernauts like Golden State for the past few years, and then the Lakers last year. But anyways, my uh, team to look out for in the West, I'd have to say Golden State. As and seeing, I would agree with you if Clay Thompson was coming back. Now, see, the only reason I say Golden State, even for this year, is will Curry continue playing this well? which I think he can. But the other part is what's going to happen with Draymond? Will Dr- Can Draymond stay healthy for the rest of the season? And will he ever – I don't think he'll ever decide to shoot unless he's wide open or if it's the end of the shot clock or if somebody says, here you go, here's a wide open lane, nobody's going to stop you, we'll just let you have this, okay? Other than that, and then you got to look at Kelly Oubre, who is an up-and-down shooter. When it's good, it's good. When it's not, not so much. But he still makes high-energy plays and is a really good slasher. And then Wiggins. and just Wiggins is just meh. He's a solid player, but he's really nothing like to write home he's about. He's complimentary, yeah. Draymond, I'm never, I'm not a Draymond guy at all. The guy's a single, triple every night. Um, triple single. Like, congrats to him for that. Like, good for you, boy. You're making a lot of money for averaging a single, triple. Um, Steph's going to keep doing Steph. I love Steph. He can keep shooting the lights out. Um, I, they're tough. I, I just don't see them having enough without Thompson. Now, my other team to look out for is Memphis. Some, something to look at. Because right now they're in the ninth spot. And they're not the most talented team. But Memphis does have the reputation from years back, even though it's not so much now. But Memphis is going to grind you out. And they might steal a few games here and there. And maybe they're back in the same spot as last year and they make a make a, an appearance in the play in game. Or it's funny. they or they could regress and drop down to the lower seeds. It's funny because last year when they made the play the playoffs after the play in games, no one wanted them there. Like they're like Devin Booker's playing great, get the Suns there. Where's Zion? Why didn't Zion make it? Like no one wanted the Memphis Grizzlies to get into the playoffs. And it, to me, it's the same this year. Like, I don't want to see them in the playoffs. 
they're so boring. Like John Morant's fantastic, but the team as a whole is just such a boring team. There's nothing like supplementary to it. Like yeah, Jaw is exciting to watch, but there's nothing else supplementary to it. Who else is there really to that really gets you excited? Jackson's out still. Like he hasn't played. You got Valanchunas. You got Grayson Allen. I guess that's the next guy. Grayson Allen. And I get to see tripping people. That is one yeah. team I hope just starts to fail because I don't want to see them anywhere near the playoffs. I don't. I never wish any team to fail unless it's the Los Angeles Lakers or whoever's playing the Celtics that night. Even though that's. For this year, it's been like 50% odds. Tommy, do you have any other uh, teams to look out for in the second half of the season? If Dallas can get healthy, sure. I'll put Dallas in there. But yeah, that's about yeah. it. Keep watching those Suns, though. They're going to be the one seed by the end of the year. They're not making the one seed. <laughs> hey, they moved up to the three seed already tonight. Let the Clippers lost. Did they really? Oh, I haven't updated my screen yet, but oh well. They're they're not passing the Lakers. Maybe the, I don't think they'll pass the Jazz this year. Hey, if they beat the Lakers tonight, they're the two seed. <laughs> you. F- <laughs> no. What's that score no. right now? Let's see. Um, they are up by two right now in the second quarter. Okay. So it's happening. Just wait. It's happening. I'll wait. Chris Paul doesn't well, even have a point yet, and they're up two. Yeah, that happens. But what we can't wait for is the state of our own individual teams. We're going to first talk about the Celtics because they do have the higher ground compared to Chicago. Barely. Well, ask. Ask Anakin Skywalker, did Obi-Wan have a high ground? Yeah, barely, but he still had the high ground. The high ground always wins, remember that, always. Exactly, which is why we're talking about the Celtics first. However, if you look geographically, Chicago might be higher. I don't know, actually, Massachusetts is out there. Let me me look look at a map here. It doesn't matter. No, this this is important. The Celtics are in the higher seeding position as of today, and we're starting with the Celtics first. All right, I'm I'm wrong. Chicago's lower than Boston, even in even on a map. So go ahead with your point. You know, I was actually going to kick it out to you from an outsider perspective. Oh, okay. I'll take a shot at him. <clears throat> go for it. Um, They've been trash. I think um, Danny and um, what's his face, white sneaker coach Brad Stevens, um, need, need to need to get something going. Coach. I mean, if they can't get something going, this is the this is the biggest failure of talent they've had. I mean, Kemba's a good talent. Jason Tatum's a good talent. Brown's a good talent. Robert Williams is coming into his own a little bit now. Um, I think last year was their their biggest opportunity to show what they were. They failed against Miami. Um, I don't see them as a contender this year. I think changes need to happen. I mean, Danny's built this team that's been a constant Eastern Conference threat, but never more than that. It's just been constant. That I think they need to do something new 
to try and get them over the hump. Okay. When it comes to Eastern Conference Finals, two of those Eastern Conference Finals came against LeBron. And beating LeBron four times is ridiculously hard, no matter what team you have. It's not that hard if you're, if you're one of those people who thinks he loses all the time in the finals. It's not that hard. Well, I don't think he loses all the time. It's just when he does lose, he just happens to go against this major juggernaut. Except for the Dallas Mavericks of 2011. That wasn't a major juggernaut, but they're still a great... He is a juggernaut. You know what? Respect. It is. Respect to him, man. He's a great player. Respect. But yeah, I do agree with you. They did miss out on a huge opportunity last year in the bubble. Now, were there factors to it yeah yeah I mean Gordon Hayward got injured during the playoffs and then came back a shell of himself Kemba has a knee issue but at that point you know what when it comes to playoff time there's there's no excuses you roll with what you have and they underachieved against Miami now granted Miami is well-coached team, and their style of play was better than Boston's during that series. And then for this year, I look at it as just way too inconsistent. I look at Kemba first in that he got off to a really slow start, just coming back from an injury, trying to recover from the knee injury, trying to get maintain, like, some health in his knee. And then as of now, he's coming on, like he's playing well now, but hope, but the next step is to see where that takes him the second half of the year. And then with that, can he have that kind of, those kind of performances come playoff time when it matters most. Now I look at the two, uh, two J's. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Individually, they've both had incredible seasons. Now, part of me is like, yeah, they've had incredible seasons, but there's nothing else around them. What more can they do? Then the other part of me is, well, you guys asked for the role to become the two stars of the team. You got to find some way to elevate the team, and they haven't done so at a consistent enough level this season. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, to a point, it, it's almost like the team has no energy. Like, they have good players who are in good seasons, but then you look at a guy like Tristan Thompson. Like, what has he always been on these teams that have been good for, like, LeBron, the Cavs? He was, he was that energy type of player, kind of like Draymond is for – for the Warriors. He's not a talented, super talented player, but he's the guy who's going to bring energy and he's going to get in people's faces and just not back down from them. I haven't seen that whatsoever from Tristan Thompson, for one. Jeff Teague came in. He was starting guard on an extremely good team a couple of years ago, and man, he sucks. He stinks. Like, where in the world is he gone? That guy is at the bottom of a trash can. Um, he's, he's losing minutes to, what's the little white dude's name? Pritchard? Pritchard? Something like that? Pritchard. Uh, man, Teague's gone off the deep end. Um, 
Marcus Smart obviously has – that's the energy guy too. Like, wh- he's not there. There's not as much energy. Um, so I, I think it's just a – it's an energy thing for me. Like, they have talent. They just need to get some sort of fuel injected in them just energy-wise to get them back to playing better. But do you think because because of the temperament of the two stars, do you think maybe that – that's a contributing factor as to why the energy is low? A hundred percent. And I think you can say the same thing about the team they've played tonight and the Clippers is their two stars aren't outspoken guys. They're not getting your face guys. They're not going to make that loud boom on the team. And you saw it last year. They floundered out against the Nuggets. They're doing it again this year. They can't score when it matters most. It's you need you need the energy from your top guys. I agree with you there. Tatum Brown, I think need to bring that a little bit more. But you also can't force them to be something outside of themselves. And, and that's true. And for Kawhi, I mean it his whole like silent killer thing has worked for him. It's got him two championships. It's worked for him. It has for Kawhi, and I know he's been on rosters like like with the Warriors Draymond Green's not your superstar obviously but like a guy like Kyle Lowry um he's a guy that he's gonna voice his opinion he's gonna be in your face talking with the refs because he thinks he's better than everyone um he knows better than everyone um so I think you have to have that guy on your team and without smart playing for these guys I think Tatum Brown has to start being one of those guys if smart's not on the floor that's fair. And then I would look at the, like you said, the roster construction that Danny's had is just, it hasn't been good enough. And Danny's like four, probably gonna, four years ago, four years ago, Tegan Thompson, whew, that would have been a great, those would have been great pickups, but man, they have aged roughly. It's been bad. Tristan hasn't playing, hasn't been playing too bad of late. But Teague is just – other than that first game against Milwaukee, it's just been what, – what the heck is he doing out there? And it's, it's gotten so bad to the point where it's a fast break, and I'm like, oh, Teague's got the ball? Oh, God. All right. Well, this, this isn't going to end up well. Where in a normal situation where it's like fast break, I'm like, oh, boy, let's go. This is going to be a two or three points. Let's go. And then when Teague has the ball, it's just like, all right, how's he going to mess this one up now? <laughs> and then, like, when he calls for a pick and roll, it's guaranteed he's just going to dribble, 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 dribble. He's not even going to look for the big. He's just dribble, 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 slither his way. Which way is he going to go? And then somehow he'll airball a floater or airball a finger roll. <laughs> Poor guy. Sounds like Poor us guy. out there. Yeah, pretty much. Except he's doing against better competition than we are. I don't know. Intramurals is pretty good competition. Ah, not this intramural stuff again. <laughs> but anyways, like going through the roster, I'm pleasantly surprised with Pritchard. I think he's been he's going to be a solid NBA player. He's, he can shoot the ball very well. There are times where 
I think he gets a little too indecisive. And this is just because I've watched enough of the games where it seems like he's got an angle where he can blow by the guy, but he's not sure because NBA speed is a lot different than college speed. So when you think you have a, you're blown by a guy and you got that half a step, he comes up short and then it's, he gets on the pivot and it's like, okay, he's not looking to shoot. Now he's pat. He's trying to pass. He's kind of in a tough spot. Like, where do I go with it? But other than that, I mean, he's been solid. And hell, he, he won us a game against Miami with a tip in. So, and then other than that, I mean, it's just inconsistent bench play through, throughout the rest of the roster. But I'm done with the Celtics. Let's just go. To, let's go to the Bulls. Let's go to the Bulls. I want to hear your opinion on the Bulls first. They have a better coach this year. And I think as much as I want to trash Zach Levine at times, it's unfair. I mean, he is the predominant scorer. The offense runs through him. And then they've I like Laurie Markinen. I would sometimes just looking at maybe the stat line. I don't see the games, but see the stat line. It just makes you want more from him because I think he's got all the tools. I just don't think he's put all the tools together. Uh, Kobe White, intriguing player, but he's just kind of like he's, when I watch him, there's kind of like an energizer bunny thing where he goes like boom, 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 boom. But sometimes I'm just like, all right, when when's he going to get kind of that control in his game? And then I look at Thad Young and I'm like, solid NBA player, good vet. Mm-hmm. Would help a lot of contending teams with depth. And I, I think he would provide some bench scoring or even – if he were to start, he'd he'd play a decent sized role. And then I I haven't seen enough of Patrick Williams to really make a judgment here or there. Um, Sadoransky is going to Sadoransky. Nothing special. Am I missing anybody? Wendell Carter can't stay healthy. And I've got some thoughts on that, dude. Ever since we drafted that guy, man. All right, let's hear your thoughts on the team. The team, like you mentioned, Zach Levine's the guy. He's he's taking his game to the new level. He's one of the best three point shooters in the league randomly this year. Like no one thought of that. He's in the three point competition for for what's what, what it's worth. I mean, does that mean much? No, but um, twenty nine points a game. Like you mentioned, new coach. They're the third highest scoring team in the East right now, um, which is a shock if you watched any of their basketball last year because, boy, they stunk. Um, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, was it really that the coach was that bad that they couldn't score? It might have been. <laughs> like, that dude, he shouldn't be considered for other coaching jobs in the NBA ever. Um, Larry, his issue is health this year. He's second-best player on the team when he's healthy, but he's not been playing. Kobe White, like you mentioned, inconsistency. He needs to put it together and find it. But I think he's going to be a very good player in this league. 
Um, Thad Young, to me, is the second most important player on the roster uh, behind Zach Levine. Um, he's been great, great pickup for us uh, last year. Um, Patrick Williams, kind of a three and D guy. Was he worth the third overall pick right now? Maybe not. Fourth um, overall. Fourth, excuse me, sorry. Um, third was Lamelo. That's right. Okay. So fourth, he could move into that. Um, Otto Porter Jr., we need to get that dude's contract off the books, cut him. Um, Wendell Carter Jr. I, I, for- I honestly, I forgot about Otto Porter Jr. That's how bad he, like, I forgot about him. Kind of he, just gloss over waste- it waste of a roster spot and a waste of money. And I'd, I'm saying the same thing about Wendell Carter Jr. Um, he was a seventh round or seventh pick in the draft a couple of years ago. Dude's, dude's trash. Um, he was on the same team in college as Marvin Bagley. And once Marvin Bagley went in my bones, I could feel that the Bulls were about to pick Carter Jr. And I almost threw up. Like there's no flavor to anything he does. He's just, a body it's it's embarrassing it's it's awful so carter jr and out of porter get those dudes out of here like we can do so much better with what they're doing um and the money that they're taking up but like i mentioned earlier i think they're a fringe ac team with the hawks they can score with the best of them they just they'd they'd make a somewhat interesting playing round opponent i don't think they'd make it past the play-in game but it'd be it'd be an interesting watch to see what zach levine could do in that environment and could he carry his team to i think he could do something very similar to what devin booker did last year whereas they're gonna play really well they're gonna win games but they might not make it uh what about them defensively i don't I don't watch them enough. They're young and not great at defense. Um, Thad Young, he's a good defender. He's an interesting body size. So, like, he'll be be guarding the five. He'll be guarding, like, the two. He was guarding Embiid a couple nights ago when he dropped 50. So, obviously, he can't really guard bigs that well. Um, Joel Embiid's a different species. Yeah, and, like, that, that shows you that they don't trust Wendell Carter Jr. at all. Like, Carter's on the floor. They're throwing Thad Young at this guy. Like, it's not Carter who's the seven-footer. It's Thad Young who's six-foot-nine. But like I said, I think Thad Young's the second most important player on the team um, behind Zach Levine. I'd be interested to see them get into the playoffs at all and see what they could do. Honestly, like, they're just one of those teams that are mediocre right now that, that can make, make people not want to play you at certain times. Well, the state of our teams can be summed up in one word. Nah. Yeah. That's pretty much it. And I think for episode, that concludes everything for episode four, unless you have something to add, Tommy. I think I'm good. I think I'm good as well. So thank Thank you for tuning in to episode four of Laser Tag Podcast. It was, it was a late night, but we pounded it through like champs. 
and you can listen to us on Apple. We are on Apple now. Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So make sure you listen in and email us at lasertag1851 at gmail.com that is l-a-s-e-r-t-a-g 1851 at gmail.com and you can follow us at lasertag podcast on instagram that concludes this week's episode thanks for listening